Hi, and welcome to Com Church Talks. This is our sermon of the day. We pray it will be a real blessing to you. I know you'll be encouraged, challenged, and uplifted by the talk you're about to hear. My legs are shaking here this morning because he is here in this place and he is moving. And it's not only a privilege this morning to know there's an atmosphere shift in this meeting. And why I know there's an atmosphere shift, because we're not focused on anything but God. We are focused on him. And when we let go, and we worship him. So things take place and things move and things change. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But not only are we in a shift this morning, an atmosphere shift here, as a church, we're involved in an atmosphere shift at the moment. And for some of us, that's not a surprise, but there's an atmosphere shift happening because we're starting to see God do miracles in our community. We, over the last couple of years, have started to move more fully into the community, and we've been doing things that attract the community to us. And some people have some problems with that because they think, well, you know, we shouldn't just be doing social activity in the community. But through the social activity, the Holy Spirit is moving and people's lives are being touched. And people are here in Com Church this morning because of their lives being touched at a so-called social activity. But I tell you, that is not social activity alone because the Spirit of God is always moving. And it's been great to be involved in the things that have been happening over the last few years to see where the Holy Spirit is moving in the people that are here who come. So we thank God. But I tell you, this is only the beginning. We better get ready because the Lord is going to rely on each one of us to be there to give support, to give nurture, to be midwives, to bring people to faith. When was the last time you brought someone to faith? Well, we're not going to ask everyone because we know it's not always an easy one to answer. But the thing is, we're going to be used more and more to be with people and bring them right through. Are you ready for that? Are you ready for that in the balcony? Amen. There's one at the back row there. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So there's an atmosphere shift going on and me and you are part of that atmosphere shift. And it's such a privilege to be here in Com Church to be part of that atmosphere shift. But if we're going to see the continuation of the atmosphere shift, we must make sure that we keep our eyes focused, that we keep our hearts focused, and we keep our minds focused. So atmosphere shift is what I'm talking about this morning. Atmosphere shift. But I've only got two points, so you'll be glad to know there's only two points I'm going to speak about this morning. So hopefully I can get finished quick enough and we can have our ministry time. Oh, he's laughing. That Clive Cook, I've got his number. Watch out for him. So, uh, two things. The first thing is, and we're going to read from Acts chapter 16, verse 25. We're going to read this story, which you know so well. This is atmosphere shift we're talking about. And we're going to talk about two points relative to atmosphere shift. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake and the foundations of the prison were shaken. At 
once all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his family were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. This is the atmosphere shift we're talking about. This is what we're looking for. We want to see it increase and multiply and more and more happen in these days. But before we talk about the multiplication of salvation, we're going to talk about breaking out. Breaking out, because that's what the first few verses of this passage are about. It's about breaking out. We notice that Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God in prison. They'd been put in prison because they fell foul of someone's business. They were whipped and then they were put in prison. And because of the nature that they were Jews in a Gentile world, they were put in the inner prison. They were put in the inner prison and it says that their feet were in stocks. So that means they were not just prison walking around, they were totally immobile in the prison. And, and sometimes when we're serving the Lord and we're working for him, we go through periods where we feel that we're immobile and we're trapped inside and we're in a sort of a prison. And this prison, it may be because of our circumstances or it may be because of our own ways that we think. It holds us and we don't move. It was maybe a long time ago we came to faith in Jesus. We can remember that day. It was a long time ago, 10 years, 20 years. We remember the day we were baptised in water. It was maybe the same length of time. But it's a long time ago. And time has moved on. And the church of Jesus Christ continues to march on in the 21st century. And so we need to make sure that we keep in step with the Spirit and we keep in step with how we are moving as a church together to expect all that God will do. And that is what we're doing here this morning. I'm expecting, that's why I talk about miracles, because I expect, and I don't just expect because I'm a good student of the Bible, having faith. I've seen it all happen. I've seen the people on the beds get up. I have seen the people who can't see, see. I've seen the people who can't walk, walk. So I'm, not, I'm talking from experience because I've actually seen it happen. And I've not only seen it happen in other countries in the world, I've seen it happen in this country. So therefore, we're not just talking about something that happens somewhere else, it's something that happens here. And we're talking about breakout this morning. And we're going to see a breakout of more and more of the work that God is doing. But we noticed here that Paul and Silas were worshipping basically, praying and singing hymns. That's why our worship times when we come together are so important and that's why it's so important that we give ourselves to it totally. Some people think I'm a bit of a lad because I'm jigging around and jumping around but I'm giving myself totally into the worship of God. That's what I'm doing. 
I'm not, I, I'm not trying to do a performance, because I can do a performance, because that's good. But I'm, not trying, I'm just trying to lose myself completely in God. I am just trying to forget about myself and concentrate on Him and just give Him everything. Nothing else exists for me. My thoughts are, are switched off from anything that happens outside. I'm only thinking about Jesus. I'm only thinking about who He is, how great He is. And when I sing those songs about how oh, God is great, you know, I'm really there. He is great. And so I know that things are happening because he wants to change people's lives. So for those of you that are in prison, he wants to break you out of that prison. And the last few weeks, there's been a lot about chains and stuff. The atmosphere shift talks about breaking the chains. And maybe I'm speaking about this this morning because there's still those of us that need to be broken out of our chains. Maybe there's still some of us who still struggle uh, to understand how we can come forward to be in the now moment. Because so often our faith is in the past. No, we remember the past. As I've said, we remember we accepted Jesus. Remember when we were baptised. But well, we need to come forward to the 21st century. We need to come forward today. It's a different day. Things have changed. Now, I know that things have not always changed for the better. Because we see a trend today, and we spoke about it earlier in the foundation course, of moving away from this scripture and moving into the area of philosophies and theories that, that people have. But I believe in this word. I spend all my life trying to encourage people to engage with this word because this is the word that we're into. And so therefore, even a passage like this, which is not a teaching passage, it's an experiential passage. And this morning, I want you to experience the reality of breakout. I want you to experience the reality. I want you to go out of here feeling that you are walking on the clouds. I want you to walk out from here realizing that no matter what has happened, no matter how bad it has become, you are not defined and you're not held in by your worldly experience. You are defined by your relationship with God. And he wants you to forget about everything else, concentrate on him and go for him. Hallelujah. He wants you to understand he has called you into his presence, into his purpose. He has called you to do a job. And it's not just true of someone like me who's been serving the Lord for a long time. It's true for all of us. We've all got a job that God has called us to do. And that job is not just a job we do on our own. That's a job we do together. We need to still develop our fellowship to such a point that we know we're of the same team and we know we're working together. We still have the problem where people sit down and think, yes, we've got a lovely pastor, pastors, you know, Julian and, and uh, Sarah. Oh, yes, we've got a lovely founder, Helena. Yes, we, we've got some lovely leaders. That's every, everyone except Castle. You know, he's not so good. But we've got some lovely leaders, okay? And we sit down and think, well, you know, we've got those lovely leaders. What a lovely church. Oh, isn't it wonderful? And so we, we just sort of sit back. But we need to get engaged. We need to get engaged in relating to people and getting close to people. We need to meet up with each other at different times. Go to the cafe. Go to the restaurant. We need to meet up. We need to spend time encouraging each other in our faith. Because Jesus is coming again. And the work that we have to do is going to be finished. So we need to make sure we're on the ledge, we're on the front line of what God is doing and do that. But we notice they were worshipping, but also it was at midnight. And I want to speak here about, I'm still talking about breakout, about having regular times in the presence of the Lord. Because I think too many people still, it's a hit and miss thing, you know. It's inspirational. You know, oh, I've got five minutes, let me pray, let me read the Bible. And, and it means, and it's all hit and miss, but we need to develop habits in our life 
whereby we know that every period of time, we're committed to spend time with the Lord. And it helps us if we have a regular time. And for me, you know, I've told you this story many times, it's early in the morning, which is going to be interesting because I'm going to be finishing working with Royal Mail soon, and it'll be interesting to see how early I get up. <laughs> but early in the morning for me, so from five o'clock onwards in my kitchen, it's a lovely place, the kitchen. It's great. It's great for the food, which, you know, Mary makes, I make, Rebecca makes, you know, we have some great food in there. But it's also great for the presence of God because there's an atmosphere shift. And my kitchen is a holy place. And when I meet in that kitchen with him, his word is there, always on the table, on the kitchen table. The word is always there. But every morning without fail, I'm sitting there. Now, I could pray other times during the day, but every morning is when I sit there with the Lord in his presence and just relax with him. And he can speak to me and I can speak to him. And the thing is, when it says that Paul and Silas was praying and singing at midnight, that was a normal time of prayer for the Jewish people. That's why the early monasteries, the early monks used to get up through the night to pray. Because there are regular times that the Christians were praying through the day. So that's a challenge, isn't it? You might feel God is calling you to start getting up in the middle of the night to pray. That'd be something, wouldn't it? If he woke you up at three o'clock in the morning, he said, right now, this is going to be your prayer time. Wow! That'd be radical. You know, so if that started to happen, things would, the atmosphere would shift even more or we become more aware of that atmosphere shift. So I want to make a plea here for having a regular and consistent time when you know you're going to be in God's presence. Because when we do that as a church, we're going to see things happen more and more. But as they're doing this, so their whole focal point, breakout, their whole focal point is not about this horrible prison we're in, this horrible dungeon, these shackles on my feet. Their focus is on Jesus and worshipping him. So that's important because it is very tempting to think, oh, these moan and groan, you know, we're very good moaners and groaners. Oh, this shackle is, oh my goodness. Oh, you know, how are you today? Oh, this spirit. You know, we're very, very good at, you know, you know how you're, but how much better to say, well, no, I'm still trusting in the Lord. Hallelujah. Trusting the Lord. But there's just a bit of thing here. Can you pray for me? Aha, that's a different thing completely. So I'm believing, I'm trusting the Lord. I'm really rejoicing in him. But yes, I've still got a pain in my shoulder. Can you pray for me? We need to get used to praying for people more. You know, sometimes we leave it to walk to the front to pray, but we can do it in the seat. I thank God from the first day I came to Com Church that someone in the same row as me looked towards me and said, can I pray for you? That was powerful. And so we want more of that. So in our rows, look for each other along the row and say, can I pray for you? We're still talking about breakout. But as they were praising the Lord, as they were worshipping, an earthquake, hap earthquake happened. The foundations of the prison were shaken and the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. So we got the link there. So if we come and we worship wholeheartedly and give it all, we're going to see more chains broken off. Don't focus on the chain and think, I hope he answers my prayer this morning. I hope he hears my prayer this morning. Come in and say, I'm not worried about whether he answers the prayer this morning. I'm just here to worship. I'm here to praise. And if we do that, then things are going to change completely. Because then I'll speak to you afterwards and say, do you know something? I, I, I came in, gave myself totally, and now I feel free. Hallelujah. They said, well, what about the pain in your shoulder? Oh, that's gone. 
And no one has prayed for you as such. It's just that you've got yourself lost in the worship of the Lord. And that's how breakout happens. I'm not saying you shouldn't ask for prayer. I'm saying that we need to change our way of thinking. Because if there's an atmosphere shift, we've got to shift our thinking as well to, to, to keep trusting in the Lord. So breakout. And it happened. All the chains came loose as they were worshipping the Lord and singing. So therefore, the next outcome of that, the next outcome is we need to do it at home more. So I talked about having a regular time. We need to have regular worship within what we're doing. Because when we say we're going to pray, we're not just going to bring a shopping list and ask God, please, can you do this? Please do this. Please do that. We're not going to have a shopping list. What we're going to come do is we're just going to come and be in his presence and enjoy him. And there could be, there will be some requests, but it's not all about the requests. It's about being in his presence. So we just thank God for technology now. You know, our, us older persons always seem to moan about technology because, and you'll notice I've got a Bible, but I have got an iPhone now. Hallelujah. <laughs> and that's thanks to my lovely wife who said, you're in the dark ages, you need to come forward. <laughs> because the, the, the problem is, you know, people are always messaging me and I can't message them until I get home. And so therefore they're thinking, has he got my message? Yeah. And I get home and Mary's saying, they've been trying to get hold of you. And I said, well, I... so this is when it's good. So technology is good. And technology is good because we were talking this morning in the foundation course, every version of the English Bible and other versions are on the phone. Hallelujah. Because we were talking about the importance of comparing Scripture with Scripture. And the thing is, we always have our favourite version of the Bible, but it's good to be able to compare the different versions and come together. And also it might help some of us to become Greek and Hebrew scholars. There's nothing like have being a Greek and Hebrew scholar because then you can get the interlinears on the, on the phone, which then give you the, the Hebrew from the Old Testament, an exact translation, and then it gives you the Greek and an exact translation. And you can use that as well with the other versions of the Bible. You imagine if we're a church that is able to examine the Scripture in depth and in detail. What a power that's going to be. You know? And that's why we've got the Biblecom Academy. That's two in one. It was the Biblecom and it's the Com Academy. So we've got Biblecom Academy. Hallelujah. That's why it's good to get involved. I mean, I had a headache after Tuesday because we were looking at the Trinity. And, um, <laughs> and I said, when I finished the Priscilla, I said, I need a drink. Gosh. I, don't, I said, where's the coffee? Where's Scott? Get the coffee going. Uh, because, you know, when you're talking about that sort of thing, you're talking about something different to when we're looking at the Bible. Anyway, I'm not going to go into that now. But the thing is, it's all different. So we had faith. Rob spoke about faith. And what we're talking about here to do is faith is, is about Believing God in his word. It is about knowing that when he says it, he's the same yesterday, today and forever, and it still happens. And we talked about evangelism. And evangelism is not just standing on the street corners and playing a guitar, which I've done for, I did for years. It's about being aware that we are called to make disciples of all nations. And uh, we may sometimes stand on street corners, but in the main, it's, it's a much deeper work than that. We need to build a relationship with people and we need to make disciples. It only comes through relationship. A disciple is not made through making a decision once off. A disciple is made, we need to spend time with people and keep meeting with people. And that's what we all should be doing. I do that. I meet with people on a regular basis. We're talking about the scripture. We're going through the scripture. And we're looking at how we apply that scripture. And these are people who have been Christians for a few years, Christians a longer time. But it's important. Discipleship is a one-to-one -one relationship where we encourage and build each other up. So all of us need to be involved in that. We all need to be involved in that.
Okay, so that's the breakthrough. Let's, let's move off the breakthrough and come to the next one, the breakdown. Now, you think this is a bit strange because you talk about the breakdown and then talk about the breakthrough. But this is important now, talking about the breakdown, because I'm now talking into our society. And we, we have a very definite problem in that we have lost our sense of, of certainty in our society. You know, when I was young, people were certain. They were certain about God. They were certain about the Holy Spirit of Jesus. They were certain about the church. They were certain about the importance of being disciples of Jesus. My parents, my grandparents, you know, all through, all of my generations were preachers. And I'm a preacher because I've got some of it in my spiritual DNA, but also because I made a personal response to the call of God in my life when I was 17 years old. I made a personal response and I've carried on with that. But there's a big problem in the world, as we said, because people have lost the certainty. They're not certain. And one of the problems with that, why we become uncertain is because we now feel there are so many options in life that we can take. And what I found is the more options we have, the harder it is to make a decision. Very hard. You know, you, you have an option. You know, so when we think about faith, when I was young, I didn't know anything about Muslims. I didn't know anything about Buddhists. I didn't know anything about Hindus. I didn't know anything about Rosicrucians. I didn't know anything about Jehovah's Witnesses. Mormons, Seventh-day Adventists. I, I didn't know anything about any of that stuff. All I knew was Jesus. And him crucified. That's all I knew. So there's a certainty. So even if people were not following Jesus in those days, there were certainties. Their children went to the Sunday school. And, you know, every Sunday school was crowded to the, to the top. Hundreds of children used to come. Parents were glad to get a day off from their children. Send them to Sunday school. Who was sent to Sunday school? Yeah, one or two people. That's right. So we, we know what Sunday school's like. And they were happy to get rid of us. But then Sunday was a long day because on Sunday you couldn't do anything. We talked earlier about the rules that the church has had over the past. You can't do this. You can't do that. I always remember one day I'd finished my Sunday dinner. We'd been to church in the morning. We came home and I thought to myself, I looked out the window and my friend was playing outside. So I didn't say anything. My mum and dad had gone somewhere in the kitchen or something to do the washing up probably. But in those days, I didn't do the washing up. And so I thought, I'm going to go and play with my friend. So I went outside to my friend and we started playing. He said, I'm going to the shop. Oh dear. So he, he said, do you want, why don't you come with me? I said, yeah, let's go to the shop. So I went to the shop. He had, five, he had about two pence or something. He bought two pence worth of sweets. I'm talking about old pennies. No, not the new pence, the old pennies. When I came home, my dad said, where have you been? I said, I've been to the shop. Ah, he went ballistic. He went absolutely ballistic. And I was shocked because I thought, that's not my dad. What's going on? He said, never and let me hear that you've been to a shop on a Sunday. That's the first time I heard about that rule, but I learned about it the bad way, you know. And there were other rules that I learned about in time. He never sat me down and said, these are the rules. I just came across those rules. And it wasn't very good. It wasn't very nice, you know. So you imagine, you know, the rules that we have to put up with and we've carried on. And some people think that they're not going to come to Jesus because there are too many rules for them. But what they don't understand is there are no rules because we're, we're led by love. And the Bible says that for love, there is no law. There's no law. That doesn't mean to say we live loosely and we do what we want. 
It doesn't mean that. What, what it means is that we live according to what we learn in here as we're encouraged by the Holy Spirit and we're encouraged by each other. That's why we're important. We help each other to keep on the line. So there's a problem, loss of certainties. And so therefore today, you know, people have said, well, we should, they're starting to get, they want to get back to the spiritual thing. So they said, you should learn to meditate. And I think to myself, well, surely that's what I do when I pray. Because when I pray, I'm not just giving a list, a shopping list. I actually spend time in the Lord's presence. I think about his word. I rest in that word. I let the Holy Spirit teach me about that word. I don't rush to get away from that. I don't rush to leave that place. Surely that is a meditation. But some Christians even are worried about meditation. They say, ooh, you don't want to do that. I tell you, we need more Christian meditation. We need more reflection on the Word of God. We need to take our time more with the Word. And as we do, it's going to help us a great deal. Because we need to go deeper and deeper. And that's how we'll go stronger and stronger. And we're going to overcome the breakdown. So people are broken down. One of the biggest issues that we have at the moment is mental problem, mental illness, mental issues. And that is right across our society. Whether it's mental issue because we, are, you know, we've learned different things about our makeup, our, our brains functioning, and so we've understood this is an illness, this is a difficulty, or whether it's something that we've looked at and thought, yeah, I get depressed, you know, because you can think you're depressed but you're not depressed. Because when a doctor talks about depression, he's talking about something where your body chemistry is totally out of zinc. And so therefore, it's what we call clinical depression. It is something that they can quantify and say, you're a lot lower than you should be because there's something wrong with you. And you know, when I'm going out day by day, walking the streets as I do, I'm always looking at people. I'm a student of people. And some people are really in desperate straits. You know, you look at their face, they are just drained, they're drawn They've lost their certainty. They've lost the certainty. And so therefore, when we come to this story that we've got today, we're coming back to certainty because Jesus brings us back to certainty. And people say to me, well, how can you believe the Bible? How can you trust? I say, it's never let me down in the past, so why should it let me down now? And the thing is, what people need to realise is that we always take the Bible on face value. We thank God for science and we thank God for the increase in scientific understanding. But what happened as science has done is it says that we can't believe what we see there. It's got, we, science says we've got to do experiments to see whether it works. And the thing with an experiment is you've got to do more and more experiments. So you're waiting to make it have a certainty. And then when the certainty comes, but in science, are you hearing this? The certainty never comes. There is no certainty in science because science always has to do more experiments just to be sure. And then it needs scientists to, to analyse the results of the experiments. And scientists disagree with each other on how to interpret the data. So what can you believe in science? What can you believe? So therefore, when we talk about faith, the Bible says that faith is the certainty of things hoped for. So when you read the Bible, there's no faith has to be tested. Faith is tested, but not by us. Faith is tested by our circumstances. But when we come to the Bible and it talks about faith, faith is a certainty. So this morning in breakdown, 
Faith is an absolute certainty. And you can come into this faith absolutely certain that you'll become a new person. Because Jesus said, I have come that they might have life in all its fullness. I am a new creation. The the Bible says that I'm a new man in Christ or a new woman. So everything the Bible talks about is when we relate to Jesus, everything changes. So breakdown becomes breakthrough. Breakdown becomes breakthrough. And so I'm recommending this morning that we should take seriously. Because the jailer woke up, he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? Now, he was thinking about the fact that his prisoners had been in chains, they were released, they could all run and he would lose his life. So he was going to take his life. But Paul says, no, we're all here. Now, Paul is really free. No, he's still in the prison, Paul, but he's no longer shackled because Jesus had had broken the chains. And so therefore, sometimes in the circumstances of our life, we are not totally free in the sense of we just go off. We are still within a circumstance or situation, but we are free within it. Hallelujah. We're free within that circumstance for all that Jesus has done. And Paul says to him, he says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And that's still the message that's coming today. There are people in this room who are saying, what must I do to be saved? In my breakdown, in my depression, in my despondency. And we always think there's going to be a difficult, uncomplicated answer. But the answer is very simple. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. Now, believing in Jesus doesn't come about because we go to Com Church and we come here on a regular basis. Believing in Jesus happens because we take stock of our lives, we look at where we've come from, we look at how it's going, and then we say, enough is enough. I have struggled for long enough. I am now going to lay it all down. I'm going to give it all to Jesus. And now I'm going to start living a new life. That's a decision. That's how you get saved. You get saved, not because you attend church. You get saved because you make a decision to say, I'm going to let go of all of that stuff. And some of that stuff is bad for some of us. We've got involved in lots of stuff, which we're not happy about. But we can lay it all to Jesus, give it all to Jesus. Through his death on the cross, we've just had Easter. We've remembered all that he's done. We've seen that he died for our sins. He rose to life again for a new life in his resurrected life. He invites us to share with him. So when he says, what must I do to be saved? Paul says, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And not just you, but if your whole household believe your whole family. Now that's a powerful thing, isn't it? A saved family. And that's what my, I, my faith is saying this morning. I thank God for husbands, wives, children who come to Jesus and, and have a change of life, an atmosphere shift in their life, they change. But how great is it when a whole family comes to Jesus? Hallelujah. And I'm thankful that in my life I've seen that happen a lot where people have followed the wife or they followed the husband and they've all come to accept Jesus. And boy, that family becomes strong. That family becomes strong. It's not a divided family. It's not a family which where one partner is trying to say, well, I want to be true to God. I want to serve the Lord. But the other partner said, oh, I don't want any of that. We want whole families to come. And sometimes it means that we have to swallow our pride. 
You know, that's what I'm saying. You know, we're in a meeting like this. The Holy Spirit's moving. There's breakthrough, breakout coming. It's all happening. And uh, we're sitting there untouched. And you say, well, it's good for my wife, you know. It's good for my husband. But it's got to be good for you too. And sometimes we have to swallow our pride and say, what is best for my family? Is it best for my family that we all come together to know God and to serve God? Or is it best for my family if I just carry on as I am? doing the things that I do. It's a big challenge. And I'm praying for people here this morning in families that if your family is separated because of being in the faith and not in the faith, I'm praying there'll be reunion of the family, a coming together of the family, that where people, husband, wife, brother, sister, child, has hung back, they will come through and say, all to Jesus, I surrender. All to him I freely give. And that's important, I think, to bring out this morning. I'm looking for, we are looking for, household salvations. Household salvations. We thank God for the wife. We thank God for the mother. We thank God for the husband and the father. We want whole families to come. Whole families to come to Jesus. Then you think of the the revival that is when you have that going. Hallelujah. But if that's not your experience, don't misunderstand me. You're part of the team. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord is building his team here at Com. We're all part of that team and we're working together. But I'm talking to people who are feeling convicted by the Holy Spirit this morning. They need to believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. And that is true this morning. So there will be people here this morning who have not yet put their trust in Jesus. And it takes a decision of your heart and your mind to do that. It doesn't just happen because you come to church. You have to purposely make a stand and say, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to acknowledge the sin of my life, all the wrong things that I've done. I need to confess them and say, I'm sorry for those things. I need to come to Jesus and open my life to him and receive him into my life so I can start to live a new life. If you do that, you're believing on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Not you might be saved, you will be saved. It's an absolute certainty. Your life will change because look what happened here to this jailer and his family. It says in verse 34 that he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. Joy, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Happiness, you know, in the midst of struggles, happiness, fulfillment, that's what Jesus is all about. Jesus is not about religion. He's not about following the rules. He's about living a totally new life, a life of freedom, a life of happiness, a life of dancing. And also, for some, that was going to help you in your fitness because <laughs> because there's a lot of unfit Christians around. You know. Now, these are people who don't do much walking. They don't do much lifting. And I'm encouraging you this morning to start getting some exercise going. You know, we have our own fitness department in the church. Claire runs a fitness department. And so we just thank God for that in our church. It's, it's forward-moving. We've got individual members of the church who are fitness uh, committed, fitness uh, consultants. I mean, I don't know how to call them, but anyway, we're we're in there, you know, and and I am one of those as well. I've got a a diploma in advanced personal training. I'm sweating to think of that, you know. But it does mean I can give you a run for your money on the bike, 
It means I can give you a run to money in everything where you have to breathe. <laughs> but also probably I can give you a run for your money and lifting, whatever. But I tell you what, it all starts at home. Don't think you have to go to a gym and get in. You can start at home. He said, what do I do? Well, I said, well, start by sit, standing off your chair. That's how you start. Well, I don't mean you stand up all the time. Don't start laughing, Nana. Um, <laughs> what I mean is, you know, you, you're on a chair, so you've got to get off of the chair. Ooh, ooh. So you hold the table, you hold this thing, you push the arm up. Oh, I've got up. So, my goodness. Oh, thank you. Look at that service there. Cool. I'm sweating thinking about training. Uh, you know, that's it. You know? <laughs> so uh, you can do, you sit on the chair. So instead of pulling yourself up with a table, you sit on the chair and then put all the strength through the back of your legs and stand up. So try that when you get home for your dinner. Try it. So if you do that a few times, this is a fitness session. I didn't know I was going to talk about this, but it's important because it's all part of the new life. It's all part of the joy. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's all part of the joy of this new life, you know. You know, age is a number. And my number changed yesterday. Okay. My number changed yesterday, but my number is totally irrelevant. You know, I, I go away to people say, cool, you're old, aren't you? That's only because they know my date of birth. And I'm on the phone because my voice sounds young on the phone. You know, some people think I'm really young. And then they see me and think, what was your day of birth? 55? My, they can't believe that, you know. But, you know, I've always been young. I'm still young. And I'll still say young to the day I die. And that's true for all of us. That's true for all of us. If we're prepared to put Jesus first, we surrender our lives to him. We accept him as the Lord of our life and that we live our lives not defined by our circumstances, but we live life according to what he has said. Yeah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It's a great life, isn't it? People say, you're happy. I say, I've got a lot to be happy about. And the happiest I am is because the day when I was eight years old, I accepted Jesus to come into my life. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So the same is true for you. You're saying this morning, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And begin to realise he's changed you and then see how the circumstances of your life will begin to change. But some people want to change the circumstances because they're broken before they begin to enter into the change. But we need to enter into the change and then it all works together. And that's why the church is the body of Christ because we are here for each other. Because we can encourage each other, pray for each other, and help each other to keep dancing. Keep dancing. Keep dancing. And that's what we need to do in our lives. We need to keep being open, keep being honest, keep being true. And as we do that. So the breakdown, the answer to the breakdown is we need to come to Jesus. It's a decision of our life. We need to surrender to him. And when we do, he comes in and makes it all new. Thanks for listening to Com Church Talks. We'd love to hear from you and you're welcome to any of our Sunday services or midweek comms. For more information or to get in touch, visit our website at www.comchurch.org.uk or find us on Facebook. God bless.